wet. The other one was, if that didn't ring your bell, you got a busted clapper. Thanks, friends. To show you how my church cares for me, uh, my sister Kendra wanted to know, you know, how you doing, and, and uh, I'm, I'm pretty good other than my backside hurts. And she suggested laying hands, and, uh, and then rethought it, and I told her, I said, well, I can't even get Sarita to do that. <laughs> so uh, just, just, just pray for healing on the back of my lap. Good to have you here. Um, I'm planning, uh, I haven't got the dates down yet, but we're going to have toward the end of, of, of October, I've got to look at the, at the calendar, uh, another uh, uh, Girls, Guns, and Chocolate Day where, uh, where we can take you women out and uh, I call it shooting duck, <laughs> but um, it's going to be a, it'll be a lot of fun, and then we're going to have another bark until dark, and that'll be in November. Um, so, the, plenty of things that are going to be happening, and uh, you, you say, well, John, I never shot a gun before. That, that's, don't worry about that. We, we'll, have, uh, we'll have plenty of people there to help you. Well, I don't have a gun. Don't, all you've got to do is bring yourself. I've got the guns, I've got the ammunition, and uh, uh, we have a potty for you ladies in, inside, and uh, uh, we'll have chocolate for you, and it'll be a good time. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for my, my brothers and my sisters. I thank you so much for the way that uh, they have blessed me personally and collectively. I, I, I thank you, Lord, for their, the way that they... Uh, serve this church. Lord, whatever the needs are that, that uh, they might have today, I pray that you meet those needs and give us a, a desire to worship you in, in, uh, in truth and in love. Be with us now, Lord. I pray the Holy Spirit would remove anything from my mind, my lips that would not bring glory to you, I ask in your Son's name. Amen. My question is, do you have a heart to be a disciple. Do you have a heart for discipleship? Matthew 28, 18-20 says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. Here's the promise. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You can't fail with that kind of a promise. Starting Sunday, and it's next Sunday, for four weeks, we're going to have a collective uh, discipleship Bible study. And, And that means every single one of you are invited to be here. So you don't have to go to a room you don't have to worry about uh, doing homework other than going out, beating on doors, and asking people to come to church. No, I'm just teasing. Uh, be ready to receive.
what the Holy Spirit has for you, and there's going to be some good stuff. It's going to be great stuff. And so that's going to happen starting next Sunday, Sunday school, uh, uh, 9.30, 9.30, okay? For everybody. Say, John, I can't even spell disciple. Don't worry about it. We've got, we've got a, a spell check. So we want you, we want you to come. And uh, uh, if it, it's, it, it'll be fun. Uh, ben and I are going to uh, do some things. I'm not sure what Ben's got in store, but hold on, it's going to be a ride. So I ask you again, do you have a heart to make disciples? Uh, Giovanni is my uh, uh, resident tough guy. He really is. Uh, you know, he could, he could go bear hunting with a stick. Yeah, you're going to be the church bouncer. <laughs> and... Uh, did you win this week? What was the score? 185 to 7? No, what time, sir? 35 to 7? Did you score? Did you put anybody in the hospital? Did you take anybody out of the game? You got hurt, got your neck hurt. Pray for Giovanni's neck got a little twist, but uh, did you play both sides of the ball? Just uh, defense, offense? Offense, okay. How do you know... You won the game. The score. Okay. So how do you know if you scored? Yeah. So you win in football by the score. You know that you won by the numbers on the board. So how does a church know that it wins? What defines a win for our church? A popular way of determining a win is, is uh, uh, in a church setting is you know, how many people are in the chairs? What's, what's, what's our church population? Um, what's our Sunday service look like? How many people do we have in the, in the praise band? Guys, I think you underbuilt the stage. We can, that, there's add-ons though, right? There's add-ons, okay. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, we really praise you for... Uh, go up? Okay, double-decker. I like that. Uh, a pulpit up high for me, and you can have a light shining on me, and all the lights are... I like that. that, that we'll work on that. So, mercy has nothing to do with it. Yes. The size of the budget. Do we have lots of money? Is that what determines a win for the church? Or the number of people that get saved? Is that the win? Or baptized? Is that the win? What is the win for the church? Are those really the indicators that Jesus has given us? And I I submit that we can appear to be successful... But if we're not using the, the Jesus measuring stick, it's not a win. The win for Jesus is discipleship. Let me say that again. The win for Jesus is discipleship. Winning the lost and teaching them the commands of Jesus. Winning the lost, teaching those commands, and then inspiring 
encouraging, moving them to make the other disciples. So you make one disciple this, this, this year. Let's say there's 50 of us here. I'm praying, we're praying for 100 people, 100 people this year. If each one, one one and discipled one, that's 100, that's, that's 200 people. And if each one of those one one, do the math, guys, I flunked algebra twice, three times, how much? Each one one one, we have 200, that would be 400. Do you see how that can continue to grow? We wouldn't be building stages, we'd be building churches. Say, well, you know, is that realistic, John? Not only is it realistic, it's biblical. Each one reach one this year. And then encourage them to reach one. Well, here's the rub. This is the part that, that, that the, wagon, the wheels fall off the wagon. So if each one reaches one this year, each one then has to disciple that person. And that's where it gets a little tough. You know, do you have the time? Do you have the desire? Do you have the ability? I can't manage your time. I can't do anything about your desire. But I can help you with the tools that you need to reach one. Okay, let's figure out how to do it. What's the task that Jesus gave us? See, the clear win is found in, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And here's his promise for success. And be sure of this. Be sure of this. That means you can bet the farm on this. When Jesus said it, Jesus isn't a liar. You can't find anywhere in the Bible where, where he didn't keep his promise. He says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. All of us are called to make disciples that can make disciples. And this passage teaches us how we're to do it. We're to go about, we're, we're to go about living life. We're to go about baptizing by teaching them to obey everything Jesus commanded us to do. That's how we, that's how we make it happen. So making disciples isn't something that we can do on our own, but God then gives us the resources to make it happen. First, he gives us his power and authority. Authority is the right to do something. Power is the ability to do it. You say, well, I, I don't have the time. I don't have the this. I don't have the that. Well, that's, that's because you're not tapping into the power that Jesus Christ has given you through the Holy Spirit. Or you may not be saved. It ain't going to work if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And I can get that fixed for you today. Secondly, he promised us his presence. God's presence in the Bible is the promise of his favor, his blessing, and his success. So our success is based on, on not how much money we have or how big our facility is or big programs, but upon God's power and presence in our lives. Discipleship isn't a program, but a re relational process of how we live life. Make sense? Understand? Are you with me? Are you tracking here? As you teach your children, as you work at your job, as you socialize at the coffee shop, God has given us a unique network or mission field in which to make disciples. These little ones that you bring to church, are you teaching them? Well, what do I teach them? Teach them the, 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 the little Bible uh, uh, ditties, the songs, Jesus loves me. Uh, 
the Happy Day Express. Anybody know that? You know, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. So he's given us this unique network to make disciples. And I want to challenge you with this goal. Okay, write this down. Write it on the tablets of your heart. Etch it on your frontal lobe. This year, I want us to reach and have 100 people in this church. Since the first of the year, our attendance, and I checked, we have a, we have a, a chart that says how, much, how many people were in, in attendance today, and they count the money, how much money came in today. And so uh, while I'm, I'm not wanna, wanting to focus on the money, money is, is important, we have averaged 55 people. If we're looking at 100, that means 45 more people need to come. So that is each one reach one, and a couple of you can afford to be slackers because we only need 45. But if everybody was true to the command of Jesus and you, you were, this goal was a part of your life, we'd have even more. So I've asked God to bring us 45 new people by the end of January and that they stick. If you say, John, this church isn't for me, come and tell me. I want to know what I need to do if something I've done offended you because I am an equal opportunity offender. The, if, if, something, if something has happened or I'm not reaching, if I'm not touching the right things, if I'm not, if I'm not pressing the right buttons, let me know because we, wanna, we want to be sure that we're doing what we need to do. So make a list of people you know who don't attend church. I, I, don't, I don't want sheep stealing. You know, it... If you see a stray running down the road, go ahead and rescue it and bring it back and don't ask it a whole lot of questions. And if it doesn't have a brand on it, uh, we can claim it as one of our own. Or somebody who hasn't been in church for years but belonged to the first church of the malcontents, you know, down the road, and they say, well, you know, we're going to come and we want to be a part of this body. That, that's fine. We, we don't turn anyone away. Think of all the people who used to come to Shawnee Heights Baptist Church. In fact, they, they no longer attend church anywhere. And you know them. Some of you have been in this church for years. Go talk to them. They're not in church anywhere. Don't, if they're in church, don't try and, and steal them. Um, how about people who have recently moved into your neighborhood? We've, we've, uh, we've done that. We've got... Uh, uh, we've got people who have recently moved into a neighborhood and they've been invited and they've been coming to church and praise God for that. See, we have a new look. We have uh, a full sound. I, I, was, I had written down here we have a new sound. It's not a new sound, it's a full sound. We may one day, if he gets his heart right, even have bagpipes. I've got a grant. Did I, did I have an amen from this uh, side of the room? Bag. Pipes. Is he feeling guilty yet? Okay. I've got a granddaughter that plays the trumpet, trying to get her to, to, to come here. Now, I'm going to steal that sheep. That's, that's, that's fine. But see, 
we've got, we've got that. We're, we're, we're working on that. We have new ministries. Our church is a place where broken people can come and heal and learn how to serve and healthy people can come and lead. That's what our church is about. How do we obey Jesus' command? John, second thing. John 20, 21 says, again he said, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. That's how we obey his command. We obey it by living as messengers sent with a message, and we have a twofold goal. Win the lost, then disciple them. Win the lost, disciple them. Jesus chose disciples who would reproduce themselves in the lives of others. God has chosen you to be in this church to reproduce yourselves to go out and win the lost, bring them in and disciple them. Central to Jesus' mission, it was to equip disciple men to carry on his ministry after he went back to heaven. His disciples became the messengers who carried the message around the world. He commissioned these disciples to make disciples in all the nations. That hasn't changed. It's still the same. We still have that same responsibility. That same, that same, those same marching orders that Jesus gave his disciples and the disciples gave the world, it's now coming back where we now are to make disciples throughout the world, in your classroom, in your neighborhood, wherever you go to play, on the playground. That is where you, even the littles, the youngsters, can go and be disciple makers. Yeah, isn't it amazing that they didn't have to take a class on discipleship? <laughs> you know, they, 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 Jesus, Jesus said do it and they did it and it works. Well, let's, let's try that. It's biblical and it works. Now, we need, some, we need some help, we need some tools and we're going to give those to you. The task was and is to make disciples who are going to make disciples. So I ask you, do you have a heart to make disciples? I don't think you heard that. Do you have a heart to make disciples? Amen. So I ask you that same question again. Romans 10, 13 through 15. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell without being sent? And this, that's why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Man, you got pretty feet. You look at my feet, and, and, and they're all gnarly. You know, men have ugly feet. I mean, scraggly nails. I mean, we're like squirrels. We could climb a tree with our, with our toenails. You know, it, it, it really, we have, men have ugly feet. Now, ladies, you paint yours to cover up your ugly feet. <laughs> but Jesus said, or through Paul, the Holy Spirit says, how beautiful. John, your feet are beautiful. Well, you just believe what Jesus said. Because <laughs> being a Christ follower is, is it's not about be a spectator sport. All of us are messengers to share the message and then disciple those who believe. Tom Rainier, in his, in his book, The Unchurched Next Door, notes that most unchurched people do not sense that Christians actively try to share their faith. And these people that he's, that he's questioned wonder why. Why don't they actively share their faith? 
he concludes that many of the unchurched are, are openly open to talking about Jesus Christ. Say, well, you know, we wonder why we have empty, church, empty, empty chairs, seats, and it's because we don't ask. That's the ask. When Sarita and I were serving as missionaries to Iwana, we had to raise our support. I had to ask. So I'd go and say, do you want to partner with me in my ministry? And this is what our ministry is. But I need gas money. I need money for postage. We need to, to have money to help us reach lost children. Will you be a part of that? And of course, she says, yeah. She says, I'll, I will tithe part of my allowance to the Batson ministry. And we're fixing to go to the Philippines. Are you in with me? need a little cash. <laughs> See, we, we don't ask. And we got to ask. Would you like to come to church with us? We got this, this knock them dead music. We've got wonderful people to teach your kids. We've got this insane pastor. And, and, it's, and it, it, you'll enjoy it. It's good. It's good. We'll even feed you donuts and coffee. These people are open to talking about Jesus. Are you open to talking to them? The last point is, there are no spectators on God's team. Jesus created the church. When we become Christ followers, we are organically connected to other Christ followers. Do you remember when you got saved as a teen or an adult? You were like a sponge. You, you couldn't soak enough in. We lived 16 miles from our church uh, back in Illinois. There was a Sunday morning service, there was Sunday evening service, and we had Wednesday night prayer and awana. And, and we were the, every time the door was open, Sarita and I and the kids were in church. And I know most, a lot of you were like that too. And that meant that we had to pack up the family, and we traveled in a week 96 miles. Now, I, granted, blackies travel a whole lot more than that. But this was back in the day when, you know, far, far. Yeah, 96 miles was a long, t- a long trip. You know, it's not that big of a deal for some people, but if the church was open, we were there. Not out of obligation, but out of desire. We wanted to be in church. See, I served the devil for 23 years, and now I've got a chance to learn all about who Jesus Christ is. And we had people, men, who were willing to invest in my life so I could be a disciple, and I could be a disciple maker. And because of those 96 miles... I got the opportunity and the blessing to come and serve you. Soak it up, friends. It's good stuff. But what has happened to us, folks? Where did the the church people decide that even an hour was too much on a Sunday? I have an idea. We've lost our zeal. Remember, over in Revelation 2, 3 through 4, I've thrown these guys a curve because some of the scripture that I'm using I didn't tell them about. <laughs> They're good. <laughs> Jesus write, or John writes, and you have perseverance. He's talking to the Ephesian church. He says, and you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary, but I have this against you, that you have lost 
your first love. You have left your first love. Despite all the praiseworthy elements in the Ephesian church, the penetrating, omniscient gaze of Christ had spotted a fatal flaw. Though they maintained their doctrinal purity and continued to serve Christ, and that service had, had degenerated into mechanical orthodoxy. But at one time they had love. Forty years later, the affection of the first generation of believers had cooled. And the current generation was maintaining the doctrine handed down to them, but they had lost their fir- they'd left their first love. Think about that. Think about for 60 years, you haven't lost that first love. Amen? Amen. Or 30 years, or 20 years, or 51 years. You haven't lost that first love. But these guys, have we lost the first love of the church? Have we, have we lost the love for God and Jesus Christ? Have we lost the love for each other? Have we lost and left the love of the lost? It's love defined as obedience. Jeremiah rebuked his people for forsaking him. Jeremiah 2, 11 through 13. He says, Has any nation ever traded its goods, gods for new ones? Even though they're not gods at all, yet my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. The heavens are shocked at such a thing and shrink back in horror and dismay, says the Lord. For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water. As, Israel had, as, as it had happened in Israel, the honeymoon had ended at the church of Ephesus. The loss of a vital love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ opened the doors to spiritual apathy and indifference to others and love for the world. And I think that's carried on through to today. Compromise with evil, judgment, and ultimately the death of the church altogether. And despite its outwardly robust appearance, a deadly spiritual cancer was growing at the heart of the Ephesian church. What can keep people out of church? Certainly sickness. Certainly sickness. Certainly laziness. But there's a lot of other stuff. The stuff that puts a relationship with God and the church family at the back, on the back burner. I hear, a lot, I hear it a lot that, you know, I work 10 days, 10 hours a day for 6 days and Sunday's my only time to get things done, to relax, to unwind. Get my head ready for Monday. And I understand because I've been in that mindset. But I want to get back to my hunger and thirst I had when I was a young Christian back in Carlock, Illinois. I want that burning passion back. I want that excitement to return. Where did I, where did John Batson fall off the wagon? Where did the wheels fall off of my ride? I think people have bought into the devil's lie that they deserve time out. Work all week, God expects me to have a day of rest. That's true. He does. But not at the expense of shortchanging the church. If we're tuned in to the calling of Christ on our lives, we'll have a heart for discipleship. Paul lays it out clearly in Ephesians 4, 11 through 14. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets, some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of of the statue, stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we're no longer tossed 
were here and there by the waves and carried about by every wind of trickery, doctrine and trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Do you ever have a heart for discipleship? See, Jesus Christ through, through the Holy Spirit has put his finger even on the young people. You have a gift. Use the gift to disciple the body. Those of us in the, in the chairs, allow yourself to be discipled through the discipleship even of the young people. So then you have that new heart, that renewed heart to go out and make disciples where you're at. Do you have that heart? Do you have that passion? Is it coming back to you? The church is described as a family, a marriage and a body. And what's common to all of them is that they're relational, interconnected people, always having problems to work out and are not meant to be separated, though. And what's unique about them is that every member is necessary to make it work. Friend, do you see yourself as a spectator or are you a player? Are you going to score big for Jesus Christ? Are you going to have a win for the church by being a disciple maker? I read a statistic recently that said most people don't volunteer because they're not asked or do not know the need. We have needs here. John, I don't know what I can do. Can you pray? Can you pray for the the disciple makers in this church that we would go out and make those disciples? Can you pray to bring in the lost? Can you pray for those broken people that need to to be at a place that's safe and can mend and heal up and allow the the, the richness of Jesus Christ to infect them. So let me ask you these questions in closing. Am I committed to making disciples? And that's a question only you can ask or answer. Has, has God placed someone in my life with whom I can share? Every single one of you has a good friend or a best friend if you don't make one. I don't like people. Fine. Find one and pray. And those of you who are prayer, prayer warriors, pray that they will end up liking people. Do I need to be discipled? What must I do to move from being a spectator to a disciple maker? And lastly, most importantly, do you have a heart to make disciples? Father God, I thank you for each and every one that's here today. And I would ask that you would give us that renewed heart. Lord, restore my passion. Restore my, my ability to communicate that passion to my brothers and sisters in Christ here in this church. And Lord, may we all be infected with your glory and grace and mercy and truth that we would have that renewed love, that we wouldn't leave our first love, which is the love of Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to have that heart. I ask this in your son's precious name. If there's one here today, though, 
and you're here and you say, Brother John, I, 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 don't, I don't understand this. I, it, you know, it's great. You made me laugh. It's, it's, it's okay. Uh, we had a good time here. Coffee's good. Donuts are good. I, you know, I, I don't understand all this discipleship jazz. And, and I, I, just, I just don't know. I'd like to know. So I submit perhaps you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Perhaps you have left your first love. But if you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, let me, let me share with you a real easy fix. You pray a prayer, and the prayer, again, doesn't save you. The prayer doesn't do anything. Um, it's just a way to communicate to God. Real simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I don't understand it, but in the best way I know how, I ask you to come in my life and save me. Save me from my sin. And I believe when you died on that cross more than 2,000 years ago, you died in my place, that I might have eternal life with you forever in heaven. I thank you for that. I give you my life. You gave me yours. And I pray that you would save me in your son's precious name. And if you are here today and you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, but you prayed that prayer and you really want to mean business for Jesus, slip your hand up. I want to pray with you. Anybody at all. Anybody at all. If you're at a place where you say, you know, John, I, I, uh, uh, I, I, I pick up what you're putting down, guy. But years ago, I left my first love. I want to come back. I want to be at a place where, where I can love and live and serve again. And pray for me, John. Pray that I would have that excitement again. If you, if you say, I'm, I'm coming back, lift your hand up. I want, to, I want to pray with you. Anybody at all? Anybody? Yes. All over the place. Thank you. God bless you. Lord, bring them back. Remind them how very much you love them. And I thank you for it all in your son's blessed name. Amen.